Hi everyone, please turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. We'll be looking at verses 89 to 96. And while you're turning there, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of our brothers and sisters in Indonesia. We miss you and we miss Indonesia so much. Uh, the food, every time our friends want to take us out, they ask us, what are we craving? And I say, nasi rendang or soto ayam. And obviously they can't get that for us, so we end up eating somewhere else. But, uh, you know, just a brief update from us on our, on our trip here. We've been personally encouraged, Esther and myself, by friends and churches uh, who are following Jesus, who are living for him, who are trying to love uh, God and love one another, love those around them. Uh, we've also been learning how we can be praying for uh, these churches and ministries as there are great needs here as well. So, uh, But overall, we're looking forward to being back uh, in Indonesia in, uh, in a few weeks uh, in the new year. But today, as we close 2023, I wanted to share God's word from Psalm 119, specifically to encourage us about uh, with God's word about God's word. And about how we can enter into the new year secure in his word. So please follow along with me as I read God's word in Psalm 119 verses 89 to 96. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. This is the word of God. Amen. Well, I can't believe that 2023 is already over. As we look ahead to 2024, we are all probably hoping for the best, or at least hoping for better than 2023. And isn't that the whole idea about New Year's resolutions, where we try to look for a better year, a better me, a better life? But as Christians, we have a better hope than that. A better hope than just trying to make the best version of ourselves possible year after year after year. Our problem is actually in our hearts. And that's a problem that we cannot fix on our own. No matter how hard we try, we do not have the power to change our hearts. Because our hearts are tainted by our sin. Yes, there will be new blessings this year. But often new blessings can tempt us to forget God. And, and to, to tempt us to forget how needy we are, how much we need God. And even though I am no fortune teller, I can be sure that there will be new anxieties, even new afflictions in the new year. And such trials and tribulations can tempt us to believe that God has forgotten us. So in any situation like this, like because, because of our hearts, we need a solution for our hearts. That old hymn describes it well, where it says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take, Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The question is, what will seal our hearts for God and for heaven? What will keep our hearts from doing the very thing we should not do 
to wander away from God in 2024? Psalm 119 gives us the answer. It is God's word. God's word is the anchor that will secure the shaky sails of our hearts in all storms of life. God's word will carry us onward even when the challenges of life might feel too burdensome to bear. God's word will fill us when we feel our joy is being choked out and our passion for God being blown out. God's word is our strong foundation. So that's what we'll be looking at from Psalm 119 verses 89 to 96. And the one thing is this, secure your heart unto the strong foundation of God's word. Secure your heart unto the strong foundation of God's word. We'll look at Psalm 119, verses 89 to 96 in three parts. How God's word is our strong foundation. First, God's word is firmly fixed forever beyond all generations. Two, God's word deepens our delight beyond all afflictions. And three, God's word is perfect and powerful beyond all limitations. Could you bow your heads with me one more time as I pray for the preaching of God's word? God, your word says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And we know, Lord, that we ought to walk in your ways. To all, we, we ought to walk in your law, in your word. And so we know these things. And, and therefore, knowledge is not the issue. The issue is in our hearts, that our hearts are prone to wander. So, Lord, we pray today that you will open our eyes yet once again, that we may behold the wondrous things out of your law. Graciously, would you teach us, Lord, your word. Give us understanding that we may keep your law, observe it with our whole hearts. Will your word speak to us and secure us in your truth so that we can face everything that comes our way in 2024 with true hope, true joy, and true love as we live for you. We thank you. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the first way God's Word is our strong foundation is this. God's Word is firmly fixed forever beyond all generations. To give us a little bit of context in this passage, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm among all the psalms. And it, does, it is also the longest chapter in the Bible. And the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, declares the glorious wonders of God's Word in a thoughtful and an intentional way. There are 22 stanzas, or sections, each with eight verses. And every verse of every stanza starts with the same letter of the he going through the Hebrew alphabet. So there's 176 verses in total giving heartfelt praise to God by giving heartfelt praise for God's word. Not only that, the Psalms use nine different terms to describe God's word. A few which we'll see in our text today, but each highlight an important characteristic of God's word, whether it's God's law or his testimonies, judgments, precepts, statutes, commandments, ordinances, promises, and God's word. And so here we see throughout the psalm that there's intentional attention given to God's word. We're at about the middle of Psalm 119 in our passage today, and the psalmist starts this stanza with verse 89. He says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So the image here is, is God's word firmly fixed, like the pillars that are holding up a building. Uh, we have those pillars in the Heart Main Meeting Hall in Heartline. Uh, they, 
they are firmly fixed into the building. They will not move. And they should not move or else the whole building will come down and collapse. In, the, in our travels these past two months, there was a time when there was a pillar firmly fixed in the middle of our hotel room. It looked out of place. Our kids were bumping into it. We needed to make sure we walk around it. It did not look aesthetically pleasing, but it didn't matter. We could not move the pillar to the corner of the room. It was firmly fixed, and we were the ones who must move around it. So it is with God's word. We cannot move God's word around. We cannot try to align God's word to our desires, to our experiences, to our preferences. God's word is firmly fixed. And our lives and everything we do must be aligned to his word. The interesting note here that the psalmist makes is that God's word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So it is like a physical pillar, but it is not a physical pillar because God's word is above us and is beyond us. It transcends through space and through time. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Rulers come and rulers go. But God's word is firmly fixed forever. What God has said is settled. It's set. It's fixed in the heavens. All of God's promises, all of his commands, and everything that happens in the universe happens by God's very word. That's why the psalmist connects God's word to God's faithfulness. How long has God been faithful to his people? A really long time. An immeasurable amount of time. It's because God's word is firmly fixed forever, beyond all generations. It says in verses 90 to 91, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. So not only is God's word eternal, but all things, created things, are subject to God's word. How much more are God's servants, his people, how much are we to be subject to God's word? Not trying to move it around, not try to align God's word to our preferences and our desires, but we must be fully submitted, faithfully submitted, forever submitted to God's eternal word. We must not try to have God's word be subject to our plans, our ministry goals, whatever it may be. If we do, we may find ourselves in two dangers. The first danger, if we, if we do not have God's word firmly fixed forever in our lives, in our hearts, the first danger is that we will try to do God's work in our own ways. We try to think that we're living for God, but we're doing it in our own ways. Without God's word firmly fixed in our hearts, we will be tempted to take shortcuts in ministry or try to uh, just follow and uphold and praise the wisdom of men and try to force our ministries to bear fruit, to try to be a fruitful church by our own strategies and our own programs. We cannot use human means to transform lives. And without God's word firmly fixed, we might not even recognize that we are doing so. The second danger is that we will try to do God's work on an empty heart or an empty tank. For some of us, we might have been really busy this past season. 
and so busy that so that it's been hard to have that same joy and intimacy with God that we felt seasons ago. And without God's word firmly fixed in our hearts, we will feel that busyness of life and ministry and family and work overtake the importance of being with God. We might be so busy to the point that sitting down and spending time with God seems like not a priority, seems like a waste of time even, secondary to other priorities, other activities that we have to carry out. And if we're not careful, we'll, be, we'll begin to excuse ourselves from being in God's Word. To avoid these dangers, brothers and sisters, we must make every effort to have God's Word firmly fixed in our hearts, knowing that our hearts are prone to wander, to allocate the time, allocate the space, to, to ask God for help in our brokenness, in our, in our broken hearts. Jesus knows this about us. Jesus knows our hearts, so He calls us to abide in Him, to let His words abide in us. And he says, because apart from him, we can do nothing. No matter how much we, how busy we might feel, apart from him, we can do nothing. Because apart from Jesus, apart from his word, we are nothing. So let's be careful to not make these other, anything else central or foundational in our lives because they don't belong there. And may we be sure to keep God's word alone set and establish in our hearts, in all in our minds, in all that we do, not rushing through times in God's word or putting it off later and later. But may we treasure God's word as we as we see and again are reminded of the beautiful truths of God's word. May we long and treasure for and treasure God's word to keep us from falling into such dangers and such sins. The second truth is this: the second way God's word is our strong foundation. God's word deepens our delight beyond all afflictions. We have to note here that these verses were not written from a place of ease and comfort, but they were written from a place of affliction, from a place of pain and suffering. Verse 92, I would have, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 95, the wicked lie in wait to destroy me. Even in the previous stanza, in the previous section, verses 81 to 88 is filled with the lament where we see the psalmist just crying out in hopelessness and helplessness. He cries out to God in verse 82, My eyes long for your promise. When will you comfort me? Verse 84, How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? These are the kinds of words that are written by past Christian brothers and sisters who have gone long before us. For one example, C.S. Lewis, he was a Christian writer, a scholar, and a theologian. He wrote with such clarity and insight about God and the Christian faith, and he has explained so deeply the wondrous things of God from his word for so many readers, for so many generations. But even for C.S. Lewis, affliction hit him like a bag of bricks when his wife passed away of cancer just three years after they were married. He fell into the, th the dizzying thoughts and feelings of grief. And because of this, he of his affliction, he struggled in his faith. And for some time, we see it as he wrote in his journals. Quote, Where is God? 
Go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is, in, is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You may as well turn away. End quote. He writes very, in a very real way his struggles, his doubts, because of his affliction, as he was grieving and mourning the loss of his wife. Thankfully, God, in his grace, continued to lead C.S. Lewis in his faith. But the reality is, God's leading us is through affliction. In that way, affliction is normal. Affliction comes from just living in a broken world, full of sin and evil. It is already our constant companion. But for us who have decided to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and trust in Him, we have signed on to take even greater affliction as He calls us to carry our crosses, to deny ourselves and follow Him. All the more, we have chosen, as we have chosen Christ, we have chosen to be hated by the world as we proclaim the love of Jesus. He says to His disciples, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So we have these many great sources of affliction coming at us just by living on this earth but also even more by following after Jesus Christ. Another source of affliction that's common is transitions and I'm learning this from my counselor. If you think about the biggest stressors of anxiety and anxiety in life uh, it is, yes, death of a loved one is up there but right after that it might be, to, to my surprise, it's moving, whether to a different house, different job, different neighborhood. Because moving comes with new challenges, new relationships, and you're out of a routine, a comfortable routine that you were used to. You may be facing such transitions right now, or you may be anticipating such transitions this upcoming year. What will help us walk through all these sources of affliction that we face in life following Jesus. Well, we can use all the help that we can get. I strongly recommend always finding a good Christian counselor that you can uh, match well with. But even then, if you can't, finding a good friend who will constantly direct your eyes to God. But in the end, what we need is to be rooted and grounded and secure in the truths of God's word. To be to learn as God leads us how God's word applies to every aspect of your lives, including our afflictions. This is so important because this is what we see the psalmist doing. Even in his afflictions, he's trying to cling to God's word. Consider how God's word applies to his life. And by doing so, the afflictions became a helper to him, a helper that will point his eyes to God who had saved him once before. And as he considered God's word, God's promises, God's precepts, his testimonies, he could trust that God would save him again. And not only did he find greater trust in God, he found greater delight. This is what it says in verses 92 to 95. Let's read it again. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. 
I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. These words remind us that there that no affliction is deeper than the delight that we can have in God's word. Affliction, as we consider God's word, then just becomes a doorway to experience how right God's word is, how true God's word is, how sweet, how lovely, how mighty God's word is, how comforting, how delightful God's word is. Afflictions will only show us what we try to hold on to as our firm foundation. And we'll come to quickly realize through our affliction that all everything else is just sinking sand. So seek out God's instructions, consider God's testimonies, and trust that God's word will deepen our delight even in the deepest afflictions we face. Lastly, the third way God's word is our strong foundation. God's word is perfect and powerful beyond all limitations. Verse 96 says this, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The Hebrew word that's translated as perfection here, it describes God's word as being totally complete and totally comprehensive. And so, by the rest of the verse, we see that the psalmist is declaring that the word of God has no limits. All earthly perfections, no matter how perfect they might seem, they all have a limit. But in contrast, God's word is exceedingly broad. The world that we live in today does not agree with this. The world thinks God's word is narrow and therefore arrogant among all other holy books and ignorant among all other religions because we proclaim one, the one true Savior and God in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. But to that, the psalm, and so to that, the, the psalmist declares, no, your word is exceedingly broad. Again, it's because God's wisdom surpasses our wisdom. God's word alone stands perfect beyond all limitations. There is nothing like God's word. If anyone asks who understands the mind of the Lord that they could instruct him, the answer is a resounding no one. Because everything in this world is incomplete and inconsistent. We do find ourselves often saying things like, oh, this is perfect. This, this situation is perfect. This solution is imperfect. For those in love, oh, you're perfect. But in reality, there is an end to its perfection. All earthly perfections have a limit, so in the end, it is not perfect. People are not perfect, too. I could give a superficial example, because as people, we try to cover up, hide the physical imperfections that we have on our face, for example, or on our bodies. And I don't see my parents often. Uh, we do video calls, but it's hard to see over video call. Whenever I see my parents in person, I see their aging faces, the physical imperfections, no matter how much they try to cover it up. 
At the same time, my parents see my physical imperfections as well. They've been pointing out my receding hairline and my, my graying crown of wisdom as I've been having, getting more and more gray hairs. No matter what we try to do to try to cover up imperfections, whether it's on our face, on our bodies, in our lives, the reality is the imperfections are still there and people are not perfect. These, this is the consideration that the psalmist is making. Only God's word is perfect. Everything else has a limit to its perfection. And by its pure perfection, God's word is also powerful. The word perfection points not just to a completeness, but it points to an ability to complete the intended end or goal. Only the word of God is is able to accomplish the purpose for which God sent it. God says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God declares it for himself. His word is powerful. Only his word is able. God's word alone stands powerful to bring life to the things that are dead. Powerful to do the work of spiritual heart surgery. To give life to our hearts. To show us what is in us. The word of God in Hebrews chapter 4 is described, uh, is, is explained as living and active. Described as a, a being sharper than a, a two-edged sword. Piercing to the depths of our hearts dividing soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, showing us what is inside us. That's what happens when we read God's Word. And that's how God's Word changes us. It shows us the sin and the brokenness of our hearts that we want to cover up, but it it forces us to face our imperfections so that we can look to God, His perfect and powerful Word, and to depend on upon him to be changed and to be transformed only god's word can change our hearts any other change that is attempted to be made by any other thing any other person is just a temporary change true lasting change of our broken sinful hearts comes from believing in god's word securing our hearts to god's word so do not ever fall into the temptation of moving past God's word onto something else because there's nothing beyond God's word. Nothing else is perfect and powerful to save us. So for parents, as you're trying to raise your children in the ways of the Lord, help them to read and study and know God's word, but also help them to enjoy and treasure God's word for themselves. It will take much effort and much time, but the investment will it not be worth it as you see God's word take hold of their hearts and bring about true change in their sinful hearts. For the rest of us, this is true for all other beloved people in our lives that we are trying to reach. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged if you do not yet see your family members or your friends, people you love. Do not be discouraged if they are yet to believe in God's word, yet to trust in Jesus Christ, but by faith in the mighty, powerful word of God, 
continue to sow the seeds of God's word into their lives. Sprinkle it like salt into your conversation, seasoning your conversations that you have with them as you share about how God's word is true and how God's word has changed you, how God's word has given you life, how God's word has given you true purpose and a hope and a joy to live for, even in the very afflictions that you have and that you face, that they might be going through as well. Explain to them, these are not just empty words we pass around, but it is the perfect, powerful word of God, able to change us, to give us new life in Him. Trust that true change of the heart will come from hearing the word of God proclaimed. So proclaim God's word like people's lives depend on it because their lives depend on God's word to live. Will you be the mouthpiece of God's word this year? Pointing to God's word as God's word is calling out to them, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Repeat that message to those in your lives this year. And lastly, secure your heart unto God's word for your own soul and for your own sanctification. Do not be passionate only to speak God's word to other people, but be just as passionate to receive God's word when it is spoken and applied to you. If you really trust in God's word, if we really believe that God's word is powerful and and perfect and able to change our hearts because that's what God intends to do, if we really believe this about God's word, then should we not be more than willing to receive God's word when it is spoken to us, when God's truth is spoken in love to us? I know we know we are not perfect. We know this, we are not perfect. But we just don't like it when other people point out our imperfections to us. But this is how God has designed for our sanctification along with using our afflictions to show us that there is no other firm foundation than God's word, God will use our fellow brothers and sisters to show us that there are no perfect things in life beyond God's word. God will use our brothers and sisters to speak his words of correction in in this church to rebuke us, to correct us, to guide us all in his love because God loves us. He will help us to be secure in nothing other than God's word as he uses his people to speak to us. So speak God's word passionately into people's hearts and be just as passionate to receive God's word into yours. As we close, I would like to just make one final connection from all that we've been learning in God's word. Because all of these truths of God's word will become even more personal to you when we look to Jesus Christ. Because, as Scripture says, Jesus is the Word of God. Consider who Jesus is. Is Jesus not the firm foundation of our salvation as He gave up His life for us on the cross? Is Jesus not our deep well of delight who took upon Himself all of our afflictions to save us from our sins? Is Jesus not the perfect, holy one, powerful to command the storms and the waves 
and also powerful to give dead hearts of stone eternal life that we may forever be with him. He is. Jesus is the word of God. Praise God. Jesus is the eternal, mighty, powerful word of God who came to us that we celebrate every year at Christmas. And Jesus is the powerful word of God who is at work in us, changing us, continuing this his faithful work to completion. And he will soon return to us again. Jesus alone is the solid rock upon which we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So may we remember the one thing again as we close out this year. Secure your heart unto the strong foundation of God's word. And as we do, may we be filled with God's delight and God's power as we live for Jesus in 2024. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your mighty perfect word your powerful word by which you created us into being your powerful word that has saved us from our sin and changed our hearts and given us new and eternal life you spoke to us through your word that we might believe your word and become your beloved children so all the more we should be we should believe we should be secure in your word but forgive us because often we are tempted to trust in other things. Tempted to trust our own wisdom and our own ways. Tempted to make other things central in our lives. Tempted by the busyness of life. As we overlook time with you, as we overlook your word. Forgive us for these things for we often find ourselves sinning against you. And so we ask for your help, Lord. May your word lead us to faith especially for those who have yet to believe, as we see the beautiful truths of your word and how personal your word is to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. Help those who have yet to believe to put their trust in you and in your word. For the rest of us, we ask for your help to deepen our delight in you, even through the afflictions that we're going through, because such things often cause us to doubt, lead us to doubt. Lord, may we continue to help us. May we continue to consider the truths of your word, to find joy and delight in them, to find hope and life in your word. We trust that your word is profitable, good for us, to teach us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness. So may we as your people be complete, equipped for every good work you call us to do this upcoming year, Lord. Lead us, Lord. May your word be a lamp to our feet and the light for our path as we press on, following hard after you. We praise you, we love you, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.